here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, Before we get to this second thing in our sovereign skies that was shot down, because uh, this is a very serious matter, John Fetterman was released from the hospital today. John Fetterman has permanent, severe neurological damage from his stroke. Everybody knew it when he was running for the Senate. Everybody. Including the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Pittsburgh Papers and all the other papers, including all the national press and including Chuck Schumer who poured millions into that campaign as well as the unions and Biden and the rest of them supporting and campaigning for Fetterman. But they didn't care. They don't care. Fetterman can't represent the people of Pennsylvania. He's a man who is handicapped now. Newly elected Senator John Fetterman has described a severe hearing disability as causing him to hear the voice of the teacher from the Peanuts cartoon. When he hears people speaking, you know, like, so reported the New York Times. He experienced lightheadedness on Wednesday. He struggled to adjust life in the Senate, given the challenges of recovering, the need for technical tools to help him conduct conversations with with staff and colleagues. Uh, He has to carry around various devices, so he can't interact as a general matter. Um... There are now wired screens in the Senate chamber where closed captions typed out for him by professional broadcast captioners. I'm just saying that this is really very sad for him and very appalling for the Democrat Party and very appalling what the media have done here. It uh, it, it really is disgusting because they knew 
that Fetterman was not up to this job. And we know it today. It's like we know Biden's not up to the job. He muscles through, but he's not up to it. Uh, This is a great country, and for this sort of thing to go on. And, you know, we knew that Thad Cochran out of Mississippi had fairly severe dementia when he was supported by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Republican primary. But Mitch McConnell never cared about Thad Cochran. He wanted his vote. Schumer didn't care about Fetterman. He didn't mean anything to him. He wanted the vote. Basically, the wife runs the office now. And Thad Cochran, basically his chief of staff and other staffers were running the office. Is this the way we want our government to to be conducted? Really, folks? I'm going to start with something that's going to surprise you, that has nothing to do with this latest uh, airborne device that I'm sure the communist Chinese shot up there again. Maybe it was the North Koreans, who knows? But I'm very concerned about our lack of ability to act even quicker than we do. I mean, if you have missiles coming at us at supersonic speed, uh, they're not going to be floating uh, based on the airstream. It's It's just very troubling to me. But before we do, I want to demonstrate to you the problems that we have in the Republican Party. Specifically in the Senate. You know, there's been a ton of focus on the House and the election for the Speaker and so forth. But Mitch McConnell doesn't get that that kind of an examination. Not in talk radio, not on television, not in the conservative press. And he should. Because he's diabolical, he's evil. And he does more to undermine the conservative agenda than anybody else I can think of on the Republican side. But he's been in Washington for decades and decades, like his buddy Biden and these other guys, so they have built up alliances and friendships within the Republican establishment, within the Democrat establishment, even within the media. This is the ruling class. So he hates Rick Scott, because Rick Scott dared to run against him. Even though Rick Scott knew he couldn't win, He got 10 votes, including his own vote. And he should have gotten more, because I think the Republicans in that Senate Republican conference, some of whom ran as conservatives for their current seats, but have not revealed who they voted for. We haven't heard from Ted Budd. We haven't heard from J.D. Vance. We haven't heard from any of these guys. I don't know who they voted for to this day. But Mitch McConnell is out to destroy now Rick Scott. Because Rick Scott, who's been a governor twice of a huge state like Florida, who is an incredibly successful businessman in a multi-billion dollar company, he challenges Mitch McConnell, and you're not allowed to do that. Like Ron Johnson has, you're not allowed to do that. Like Mike Lee has, you're not allowed to do that. So Mitch McConnell is petty. Mitch McConnell is power hungry. Mitch McConnell is all about himself. So is his staff. Ex-staff and current staff. Rick Scott put out a plan without the approval of Mitch McConnell. And the plan was how to basically uh, 
reform Washington and the federal government from the bottom up and the middle out, as the head case Biden likes to say. And one of the things he said is that programs should be sunset every five years so Congress is forced to review them and look at them and so forth. So the Democrats and Biden have seized on that to say that the Republicans want to eliminate Social Security and Medicare. Mitch McConnell's been in the Senate a very, very long time. He's been in leadership for 20 years. He's also the longest-serving Republican leader in the Senate in history. In fact, he's the longest-serving leader of either party in history. And why? Is he that good? Mitch McConnell hasn't done a thing to help Social Security and Medicare because the trustees have said they're going under, both of them. And that if something isn't done... Then in 10 or 12 or 13 years, there'll be massive tax increases on on individuals who pay into it, and there'll be massive benefit reductions to Social Security recipients and Medicare recipients. I touched this for about 14 seconds the other day in the George Soros Marxist operation called Media Matters attacked me. Do you see that, Mr. Producer? Essentially saying I favor getting rid of Social Security. So that's why it's difficult to even raise it. But something is going to happen because Washington has already stolen the funds out of the trust funds. There are no funds in the trust funds. You get a letter from the Social Security Administration telling you how much is in there. You don't have anything in there. Washington took the money out of the Social Security trust funds, both of them, took the money out of the Medicare trust fund, took the money out of the highway trust fund. They don't have any trust funds in Washington, D.C. because they've all stolen the money. And if they were in the private sector, every one of these bastards would go to prison for the rest of their lives. Every one of them. So what their mouthpieces have to say to try and politicize all this is beside the point. But Rick Scott was not proposing anything to Social Security and Medicare. Anything. He was making statements about how the government should work, right? So Mitch McConnell sees his opportunity to try and destroy Rick Scott. He knows Rick Scott's from a state that has many, many, many seniors, Florida. He knows Rick Scott has presidential ambitions, and Mitch McConnell considers himself the power player. He doesn't want Trump. He doesn't want Scott. He'll decide who the Republican nominee will be. He'll decide who the Republican nominees will be in all the Senate races. Because Mitch McConnell's really smart. He's got his buddy, you know, Carl Rove there telling him what to do. Carl Rove was wrong all the time. And we lost the Senate in 2006. Guys like Santorum and so forth. When he was deputy chief of staff to George Bush. So here it goes. Cut nine, go. Well, un- unfortunately, that was the Scott plan. That's not a Republican plan. That was the Rick Scott plan. The Republican uh, plan, as I pointed out last fall, if we were to come the majority, there were no plans uh, to raise taxes on happy. All right, stop, stop, stop. There were no plans, period. He ran on nothing. And we lost the Senate. And he blames Trump. And he, believe, and he blames MAGA Republicans. 
And now he's blaming Rick Scott. This is Mitch McConnell. This is how he stays into power. If they only want, they only want to listen to me. They didn't run on no taxes. They didn't run on anything. It was every man and woman for him or herself. This guy's not some kind of political genius. He's a sleazeball. He's evil. And he'll spend millions and millions of dollars to trash conservative Republicans in order to elect people like Murkowski who will endorse him for his current spot. So he's trying to make an example of Rick Scott. Don't ever challenge me. How do I know this? Because senators have told me he's like a mobster. He'll call you into his office. He'll tell you that he knows exactly what you're up to, that he has, he has ways of hearing what you're talking about and saying about him. And he threatens them on committee assignments, on not giving them any money in the Republican primaries and so forth. That's what he does. He can't communicate with the American people. The guy has a, an outrageously bad ability to speak. He's not strategic. He can throw a wrench here and there, but any Republican leader can. Bob Dole was a great Republican leader in the House. Not because he agreed with everything Bob Dole said, but he knew how to run the place, in the Senate, excuse me. Go ahead. Medicare or Social Security. So it's clearly the Rick Scott plan. It is not the Republican plan. So he said Rick Scott's name three times. Three times. Cut 10, go. I mean, it's just a bad idea. Uh, I think it will be a challenge for him to deal with this in his own re-election in Florida, a state with more elderly people than any other state in America. There you go. He wants to take out Rick Scott, a conservative. That's what he wants to do. The Democrats don't do this to their own members. You would never hear Schumer saying that about anybody. You would never have heard Pelosi or Hakeem Jeffries saying that about anybody. Mitch McConnell votes frequently on major bills where he's in the minority with a handful of Republicans that will follow him off the cliff. Mitch McConnell voted for inflation, too. Mitch McConnell voted for inflation, too, on massive spending. Infrastructure, infrastructure, where the vast majority of that money wasn't for infrastructure. It funded left-wing organizations and left-wing programs. He voted for that. Remember? Mitch McConnell voted for the omnibus bill. Eighteen of them did. He led the way. Look at this bridge behind me. Our bridge here. What a jerk. So we can't just blame the Democrats for inflation, unfortunately. There's at least 18 Republicans who voted for massive inflation and who voted to put the Republican majority in the House in a true bind when it comes to this debt ceiling issue. That's McConnell. And so he's going to try and take out Rick Scott. He will leak stuff to major papers in Florida, major papers in Washington, D.C., because that's how the man operates in the shadows. He's very evil and sleazy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number. 877, the number 4, gold IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. couple of things. Aren't you sick and tired of being lied to by Biden, the Secretary of Defense, the spokespeople at the White House, the spokespeople at the Pentagon? Aren't you sick of being lied to? So what is this thing they shot down today? All they'll tell you is it's as big as a car. Who sent it? They won't tell you who sent it. They don't know who launched it. They don't know who launched it? Are you kidding me? Of course they know who launched it. The fact that we knew about the first one is because somebody saw it in Montana with their own two eyes. So they shoot this thing down. They shoot it off the shore of Alaska. Good idea. And they won't describe what this object is. Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number. 877, the number 4, gold IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. I want you to hear this from John Kirby, the White House press briefing today. He sounded a lot like the, uh, the nitwit who follows him in the afternoons. And what's interesting is he didn't bring this issue up. A reporter had to bring this issue up with this, this object in the sky, as they call it. Cut for go. Really briefly, can you speak to rumors that there is another Chinese balloon above Alaska or any other parts of U.S. territory that the U.S. shot down? So I can confirm that the Department of Defense was tracking a high-altitude object over Alaska airspace in the last 24 hours. Out, uh, Stop right the- there. So she, this reporter, whoever she is, deserves some credit. She brings it up. 
Nobody knew about this. She wants to speak to him about rumors. So he didn't come there to talk about this, and you have to assume if she hadn't brought it up, he wasn't going to talk about it. What the hell's going on here? Go ahead. At an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. And they did. And it came in inside our territorial waters. Now, those waters right now are frozen, but inside uh, territorial uh, airspace and over territorial waters. Fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command took down the object within the last hour. That's it. Okay, who launched it? We don't know. What was it doing? We don't know. What are we going to do when it's supersonic missile? As opposed to something that is basically reliant on the airstream. Who's going to make decisions and quickly? That's what the communist Chinese are checking out, folks. Brigadier General, meaning one-star general, Patrick Ryder, Pentagon spokesman, cut five, go. At the direction of the President of the United States, fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Oh, wow. That Joe Biden, man, he is decisive and he is tough. At the direction of the President of the United States, fighters went up there and they took this damn thing out of the sky. It was traveling at the speed of a Volvo. So why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do that on Wednesday? Well, we weren't sure. We didn't know. We didn't look. Who was it? What was it? Oh, okay. Got it. Go ahead. Successfully took down a high-altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska at 145. So we successfully took down, the president ordered it, an object. What was the object? We're not telling. Oh, was it bigger than a bread basket? Oh, yes, it was as big as a car. Oh, a car. And we sent a jet up there to shoot it down? Yes. Aircraft, multiple aircraft. And they succeeded in shooting it? Yes, at the direction of the president. Okay. Anything else? No, not really. Go on with your business. Move along. I feel better, don't you, America? Go ahead. Yeah, Eastern Standard Time today within U.S. sovereign airspace over U.S. territorial water. On February 9, North American Aerospace Defense Command detected an object on ground radar and further investigated and identified the object using fighter aircraft. Okay, and where did it come from? Which I'll keep asking. We have very sophisticated uh, satellite systems and radar systems and all kinds of systems. If Vladimir Putin is picking his nose, we can see that. But this thing is launched. It's just released into the air. Where'd it come from? We don't know. We're still investigating that. Go ahead. An altitude of 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. U.S. Northern Command is beginning recovery operations now. They say the same thing. So they put out, amongst themselves, paragraph or two that they were going to regurgitate time and again. Cut six, go. I 
we'll give credit to our pilots uh, that they are um, very capable in terms of looking at an object, assessing whether or not this had the potential to be manned at that altitude, something that small. Um, very, very unlikely that it was manned. Uh, and so, again, uh, no indication that it was manned. Presented, presented a potential reasonable threat to civilian air traffic, and we took it down. Mm-hmm. The answer should be it's in our airspace, it's unauthorized, and we shot it down like we'll do every damn time anything comes into our airspace, launched by the communist Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, or anybody else. But they don't talk like that. Well, you know. It's unbelievable. But there's more than this. Um, there have been laser shots or something over Hawaii. You seen that, Mr. Producer? Green lasers over Hawaii. Now, what's happening over Hawaii, ladies and gentlemen? Green lasers? So we have to turn to zero hedge. Late last month, mysterious green laser beams were spotted from Hawaii's tallest peak. Experts initially said the burst of laser beams was emitted by a NASA spacecraft, though that was proven incorrect this week with evidence pointing to a Chinese satellite. Space experts at the National Astronomical Observatory of Japan initially tweeted on January 30 that the Subaru Ashi star camera called captured green laser lights in the cloudy sky over, I don't know how to pronounce it, but in Hawaii. The lights are thought to be from a remote sensing altimeter satellite. But on February 6th, one week later, they issued a correction on YouTube that specified the laser beams weren't from a U.S. spacecraft, but the most likely candidate was a Chinese Daki satellite. According to Dr. Martino Anthony, a NASA scientist working on this satellite, it is not by their instrument, but by others. A correction note on the YouTube video explains his colleagues did a simulation of the trajectory of satellites that have a similar instrument and found a most likely candidate as the instrument of the Chinese, communist Chinese satellite. We really appreciate their efforts in the identification of the light. We're sorry for any confusion, they said, in the videos provided. Even though the Daki-1, the communist Chinese satellite, supposedly an atmospheric environment monitoring spacecraft, there are many concerns after the spy balloon incident last week of space space and even high-altitude surveillance equipment monitoring the United States and its allies. So that's the communist Chinese, too. Now, why the cover-up? Why the silence? Now, I want to say this. Not just the Democrats, but the Republicans in Congress, too. You are not protecting this country. With all the talk about slashing defense, the communist Chinese are on the move. They're on the move in space. They're in the movement on the the skies, the sovereign skies of the United States. They're on the move geographically in our hemisphere, on Western Africa, 
which faces eastern United States. They're on the move with their phony islands and the weaponizing of these islands. They now have more nuke launchers than we do. They have modernized their nuclear forces. We have not. Of course, we can all talk about waste, fraud, and abuse and the wokeism that's being pushed at the Pentagon, which is a disgusting disgrace. But that doesn't get us where we need to be. If we're going to have men and women in harm's way, those men and women need to be the best prepared, the best armed, and the best protected of all. And I'm deeply concerned about this. That we are not ready for war with communist China. And what the hell do you think they're doing? They're trying to figure out how to sabotage our launching systems. As I said the other day, that's why they sent that Derringer where they sent it with that communication equipment on there to find out how to sabotage us should we have to counter them. That's what they're doing. God knows what this latest one is. And they're also testing Biden and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Milley is a disgrace. He's, he's an incompetent. We saw that in Afghanistan. He's a disgrace and an incompetent. And he ought to resign. With all his medals and all his honors. He's over his head. He ought to resign. And how humiliating. How humiliating that Secretary Austin calls his counterpart in communist China and they don't answer the phone. How humiliating is that? They violate our airspace. And they act like they're the victims. And we're calling them. Well, what the hell are we calling them for? To apologize? This administration's policy is we want to compete with them. But it's not a Cold War. Well, two get to decide that. And they've decided it is a Cold War, as I've said for years. It's a Cold War. That's exactly what it is. Like it or not. And they're arming up for a real war. Now, I hear people come on this program and they say, I would never bet against the United States military. I'm not interested in that kind of talk. I'm not betting against the United States military. It is the job of civilians, civilian politicians, the civilian electorate, the population, us, to make sure our military is the strongest on the face of the earth. And with the leadership it has right now, from the commander-in-chief to the brass, it's a huge problem. Nobody denies the courage and the strength of red-blooded Americans. That's not what we're challenging here. Of a failed and incompetent ruling class, that's what we're challenging. At least I am. And these Republicans, these preposterous um, What are they? I don't even know. These Republicans who keep talking about how we provoke our enemies. We're not provoking China. China's provoking us. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hey. 
Have you folks followed the crazy spending and debt created by Congress? This omnibus bill, massive new debt, debt like we've never seen before, money being drained out of the private sector, interest rates going up. Let me tell you something, folks. The debt causes massive effects on your savings, especially on your pensions. It affects IRAs and 401ks. It's a worry. And just one reason Americans get gold IRAs to diversify and protect their retirement. Augusta Precious Metals can help you. They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you saved $100,000 or more, sign up for their free one-on-one web conference for perspective on the economy and on opening a gold IRA. Tell them I sent you. They'll cover your fees up to 10 years. Call Augusta Precious Metals. Here's the number. 877, the number 4 Gold IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. I don't know who's going to win Sunday. I know who I think is going to win Sunday, but football, like all these other sports and so forth, you know, things happen. If a team suddenly is uh, plagued by mistakes, uh, they'll lose, no matter how good the roster is and no matter how good their season has been. If the quarterback gets hurt, they're likely to lose. If a key offensive player, defensive player gets hurt, it's going to be tougher. If the, if the rep makes a bonehead call, well, a team can lose based on that. So there's a lot of factors that are built into it. But too many people have a hate for my home city of Philadelphia and the Eagles. I grew up in Philadelphia. It's a tough city. It's an ethnic city. At least mostly was. And... Um, was a capital for a while of the United States. And we have stations everywhere, including in Kansas City. But I'm not a, politi- a, a, a sports eunuch here. I'm from Philadelphia. So if my team is in the Super Bowl, I'm rooting for it. If it's in the World Series, I'm rooting for it. And so forth and so on. So I'll be rooting for the Eagles. Uh... Mahomes, everybody says Mahomes is the greatest, Mr. Peace. He's damn good. There's no question about that. But uh, we'll see about the greatest. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So I got to thinking during the break, I said to Mr. Producer, if their argument now is they shot it down because it was 40,000 feet into this air, which created a, a problem for commercial air flight, which is true. So what's the message to the communist Chinese? Fly it at 60,000 feet? Wait till it gets to the coast of South Carolina, you know, gather all the information you need because then the United States will shoot it down? I mean, how stupid is this? 
I'm deeply concerned about it. And we are not prepared. The Chinese are ramping up for war, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what else we need to... What else we, we need to do to get the ruling class in Washington to prepare? I don't mean a draft. I mean to prepare so we have the equipment, so we have the know-how, so we have the strategy. All right, updates on the classified information. Remember when I told you everybody has classified information? It's funny how we're not hearing any more from Obama. We're not hearing any more from Bush. Cheney, Gore. We're not hearing from these people. They said they didn't have anything, and that was that. I don't believe it. I've said before I don't believe it, and now look what we have here. So they subpoenaed information from Vice President Pence's home, which is disgusting. And I'm told there were actually drones in the sky when the FBI went over there. Either drones or a bunch of leftists, you know, uh, parachuting down. I call them drones anyway. So, uh, so there's that. They found one document. Then there's a strategic leak by the White House and or the Department of Injustice to ABC News that uh, last month, the Trump team of lawyers uh, provided the FBI with another document or file in which they found some materials, additional materials, upon further search. So ABC News has that, and that leak was timed, of course, to try and take attention away from Joe Biden. And so they're still going to try and criminalize it as it applies to Trump, but as it applies to Joe Biden, his hoarding of classified documents since he was in the Senate and as vice president was righteous. And as far as Pence goes, honestly, you can see where it was a mistake, too. That is, he had no intent. But now there's a breaking story from the Daily Mail. Biden lawyers handed over boxes of documents in Boston. What? Latest twist in classified file saga reveals they were handled in another location before they arrived at the Penn Biden Center. A new detail in the web of information about the trail of Biden documents came to light today, hours ago, when the National Archives released email traffic that referenced documents in Boston. The email from the National Archives lawyer Gary Stern came days after classified material was discovered in the offices of Biden's D.C. think tank. Uh, what a stupid phrase. At the Penn Biden Center. Biden and federal officials have located documents at Penn Biden and at Biden's Wilmington home. They've searched his Delaware Beach house after the initial discovery at Penn Biden days before the November elections came about more twists and turns. The widening saga. So the FBI found another document marked classified at the former vice president, Mike Pence's house, and Loris for former President Trump handed over another folder. Again, that leak on Trump was intended to take attention away from Biden. 
Quote, please ensure that the boxes in your office in Boston remain secure in a locked space and are not accessed by anyone. Stern wrote Biden lawyers Bob Bauer and Patrick Moore. That's the archives guy. That follows a report last month by CNN that Penn Biden had shipped Biden speeches and reference materials to Moore's Boston law office. The email is included in a 74-page filing released Friday by the archives. It's part of a Freedom of Information Act request. They traced the response after the first classified documents were discovered. Special counsel Robert Hur is probing the Biden document matter. Nobody hears from him. Who the hell knows what he's doing? Moore responds, that's the archives lawyer, and offers to bring a law partner who can work with you tomorrow to access our office and pick up materials there. Excuse me, Moore is the Biden lawyer. Other emails deal with such mundane matters as arranging for parking during the pickups. White House Corinne Jimbier declined to comment when asked about it. Then they have a, a picture of the email. The development came a day after the FBI. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Boston now? Has anybody gone to the treasure trove of documents at the University of Delaware that I've been talking about now for months? Has anybody gone there to take a peek, just a peek, to see what's there from Biden's Senate days? Oh, I'll bet there's a lot. You know how I know there's a lot? Because nobody's leaking about it. Nobody's there that we know of. And if they are there, they're not telling us. That's how I know there's a lot there. Plus, we've come to know Joe over the years. He's a crook. He's corrupt. It's a crook and corrupt. Meanwhile, look how the special counsel, there's nothing special about this guy. He's a hatchet man. He looks like his face went through a, uh, one of those wood chippers, Mr. Producer, does he not? Mr. Tough Guy. Mr. Tough Guy, who can put on his resume that he couldn't convince a single United States Supreme Court justice to support his prosecution of a former governor. Because that's how over the top this guy is, and that's exactly why Merrick Garland picked him. Because justice isn't the issue. This guy's an aggressive, he's like a dog with a bone in his mouth. But in his case, he's chasing an ambulance. This guy, Jack Smith... But notice the disparate treatment. I mean, Biden, wherever you look, he was in Boston, documents. He was at a phony think tank, documents. He's in his garage, documents. He's in his library, documents. What about the Delaware uh, University? Well, look, you know. The Biden crime family. So what's the news tonight? All the leaks try to muddle it, you see. They found one document from Pence. Okay, great. They had to subpoena him. They don't treat Biden that way. The FBI searched his home. There were drones in the sky. Wow. The case of Biden, first there was a cover-up for over two months, right through the election. Right through the, uh, the appointment of the rogue 
federal prosecutor to go after Trump. Covered it up as long as they could. And now what? Oh, they, there's another folder with the Trump people that they turned over in January, apparently. But now's the perfect time to leak it. Because now we found more Biden documents in Boston. So leak the other thing. So all the legal analysts and corrupt media types on the phony Sunday shows can tell you, uh, well, I mean, everybody does it. First of all, I said everybody does it. The difference here is they're trying to criminalize it with Trump. Has anybody interviewed George Bush yet on record? How about Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama? You notice how quiet he's been lately? Where's Dick Cheney? Dick, Dick Cheney, where are you? Where is he? And Al Gore. Oh. You know, he's got him. Probably burned him in his fireplace by now. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smart. Smarter Wireless. Have you noticed how the media are obsessed with the smartest and the brightest among us on the conservative side? Or the best looking and smartest and brightest among us? Particularly if they're minorities? Here's a perfect example. There's a piece in the Washington Compost today that just smears Anna Paulina Luna. It is a shoddy piece of corrupt, phony journalism. They would never have done that and did not. To Jackson when she was nominated to the Supreme Court, did she? And yet her rulings were very controversial. And her statements were preposterously stupid about women and natural rights and so forth. Notice how they build up Nancy Pelosi, who rode the coattails of various political men, her father, her brother, a powerhouse political family in in California to the position she currently holds or the one she held previously. Extraordinarily rich, white. They would never do a piece on her, trashing her and her family, and all the conflicts of interest, or demanding her tax returns, or 
any of that sort of stuff. But they'll do this every day of the week to a smart, attractive, knowledgeable, accomplished conservative. I mean, uh, look how they go after Boebert. Boebert is a smart lady. She's also run a business. She's got four or five sons. Been married for several decades. But she's an extremist. Doesn't mean you always have to agree with her. That's not even my point. Anna Paulina Luna of Mexican-American heritage. She's a liar about her resume. She hasn't lied about a damn thing. Nothing. Zero. The media have done so much damage to this country. Because they're an appendage, as I've said forever, of the Democrat Party. And so, when you have the FBI, the Department of Injustice, the Department of Homeland Insecurity, working with Twitter or Facebook or Google or whatever entity to squelch the competition of ideas, to advance the propaganda of the Democrat Party, to interfere with and influence the results of an election or the conduct of an election, the Democrats try to run cover for them. We saw that this week during the Comer hearings and during the Jordan hearings. They had no interest in any of the abuses of power, including abuses against parents, abuses against pro-life protesters. None. But the fact that you investigate it, that they attack. Joe Biden says, the American people aren't interested in my family and these investigations into my family. Joe Biden is a coward. He's also a crook, in my view. Well, then he ought to stop hiding behind his family. Excuse me, Joe Biden should come out and tell everybody. But he won't. You have to go through Hunter, I guess, to get to him, but they've circled the wagons around him. They've circled the wagons around him at the Department of Injustice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a.k.a. the American Stasi, and, of course, the corrupt American media, because that's what they do. So you won't hear much Sunday about any of this, about what happened in Boston. The information comes out on a Friday night because they know there's a Super Bowl on Sunday. And to your great relief, I'm sure, that means you don't have to watch any of these Sunday shows. By the way, I notice a lot of people are off tonight and off today. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? A lot of TV hosts. You just said that to him. I'll bet they all got free tickets to Phoenix. You don't hear me, folks, coming on radio or TV saying, if somebody has a ticket, hey, I'm over here, or any of that. You don't hear me doing that. Because I don't do it. But here's the other thing. Some of you are going to go, are you kidding me? The best place I have found to watch the Super Bowl is in my home. You want to know why, seriously? 
you get close-ups because of the cameras, where they have replays you can see. Uh, my bathroom is 10, 20 feet away. I don't have to listen to blowhards around me yelling in my ears. A regular game is different, but I'm watching the Super Bowl. I'm really focused like a laser. I want to watch it. I want to I watch what's going on. So I don't want to be around 1,000 people. Better yet, 100,000 people. And to get there, and then they get out of there, and I hope you have a room, and then you need to fly out of it. Who needs it? I know it's an experience. A lot of people. My wife went to one once. She said it was fantastic. But I, I just, I can't. It's just not that big, big a deal to me. I just, I'll tell you what I'd like to go watch, and I'm not asking for anything. Is a UFC fight in Las Vegas. I could pay for it myself. Wouldn't you love to see that, Rich? A big one. But the Super Bowl with 100,000 people, and you can't get a car with the Uber and the Lyft and the taxis, and the, who needs it all? I don't. Am I wrong? Because the vast majority of us... By the way, they're doing a commercial on Gutfeld. Did you see that? I saw it on the internet. I think it was. Some story. They're going to have a commercial. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. My wife was listening to the show. It's a nice thing when you do, honey. I do every night. You do every night. And uh, she came to the bunker, which is really me only bunker. You know that, folks. And came in unannounced and said, you didn't tell the whole story about the Super Bowl stuff. So I decided to let her. Are you a member of the SAG union, uh, Mrs. Levin? No, actually, I'm not. You're not a member? No, but when you make a... Hold on. When you make a periodic uh, sort of Alfred Hitchcock walk-on, you don't need to be a member of the union. Oh, I know this, but, you know, I got a letter from them saying they, they want me on my own to tell them my income, even though they... I would argue, steal my money directly from my employer for the right to be behind this microphone. So they do such a fantastic job representing me. I don't even know who the hell these people are. And what did we do? We did I ripped it up. Letter. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, tell America what happens on Super Bowl. Here, here she is. Hold on. Go ahead. 
So first of all, America, a wonderful weekend to you and to all our Jewish friends, a good Shabbat Shalom. But well, they don't hear us if they're Shabbat Shalom. But anyway, talk to the Gentiles, too. Go ahead. So actually, some people do listen to you in any case, even though it's Friday night. In any case, when I came downstairs, I asked my amazing and talented husband what it was that he failed to share with the audience that made Super Bowl Sunday one of the most attractive reasons to stay at home. And he answered, you tell me. And I said, it is my amazing, spectacular, not to be beaten turkey chili, as well as a surprise dessert, which is why he's not allowed to have dessert tonight, America, but don't tell him that. That'll be just our little secret as well as some really great munchies. So that is, aside from my stellar company and other family members who are able to be in town, that is probably the most attractive reason why being at home and not being in Phoenix, we should be watching the Super Bowl. That's very well put. You're right, actually. I stand corrected. Plus, who wants to go to Phoenix and then go to the public restroom and stand in a line with a whole bunch of drunk guys at the urinals? And that includes the females, too, these days, I guess. Right? Are they at urinals, too? Well, that's apparently the in thing, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'll have to work that out, I guess. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Are you rooting for the Eagles or the Chiefs? Of course the Eagles. Come on. Now you know why I love her, ladies and gentlemen. She knows. All right, honey. Thank you for straightening me out. I appreciate it. It was nice visiting with real Americans. All right. She's a great patriot, too, by the way. Anyway, uh, I did forget that little fact, but that's uh, very good. So uh, that's the truth. That's what we do. Sometimes we'll have some close friends with us, Vanessa and Charlie. They're too far away right now, and... Teddy and Linda, they're too far away right now. So it'll just be us, which is good enough under the circumstances. So there you have it. Now, I lost track of what the hell we were talking about. Oh, yes, yes, the classified documents. Joe Biden in Boston. So this will be covered up. This won't be any big deal issue. And by the way, some of you are saying, well, nobody's going to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. I'm well aware of that. And like every Sunday, this Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday, we will be playing a fantastic rerun of Life, Liberty, and Levin. My interview with Stephen A. Smith, as well as my interview with Mike Pompeo. So you can catch those if you didn't catch them the first time. And, of course, you can record them on your DVR. But if you don't watch this one Sunday, this one Sunday, I don't blame you. I'll be watching the Super Bowl myself because I know what I said on that particular show. There's a lot of debate about who the greatest quarterbacks are. These debates seem to me inane. It's what keeps ESPN going. It's what keeps uh, some of these other sports shows going because there's no answer. It's like, who's the greatest basketball player ever? They'll say, well, LeBron, I don't buy that. Michael Jordan, that's definitely up there. 
He may well be. Um, Kareem, I think so too. But I pick one that nobody appears to pick. Walt, excuse me, uh, Walt Chamberlain. I know if you want to go through uh, and look at who's won how many titles and so forth, it's not my point. He changed the entire game of basketball. Completely. And he had longevity too. And later in his career, they used to beat the hell out of him. You know, grabbing his arms and everything. But they changed everything. The three-second rule was added. Goaltending was added. They didn't have a three-point shot. You know, neither did uh, Kareem. Kareem played several years less than uh, LeBron. That's not to put down anybody. I'm just making points. It's kind of hard to to say. I mean, it's like, who's the greatest home run hitter ever? I'd say Babe Ruth. People would say Hank Aaron, or they might say Bonds, or whatever. They're totally different periods. It's very difficult to make the comparison, but, you know, that's part of the debate. So the question is, who is the greatest quarterback ever? The greatest quarterback I ever saw when it came to championship games and to Super Bowl games, the greatest one I ever saw was Joe Montana. That takes nothing away from Tom Brady. Takes nothing away from your Steelers, Mr. Producer. Terry Bradshaw was great. And you know, they played at a different time. Bradshaw, they didn't have all the rules where he couldn't beat the hell out of the quarterback. They'd slap him in the head. They'd bang him on the ground. Things that you can't do today. So Bradshaw, to me, was the greatest of his period. And I suppose you could say the same of Montana, and I suppose you could say the same of Brady. But throughout the season, depending on what team you had around you, Peyton Manning was a tremendous quarterback. And there were others. Absolutely outstanding. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and others. But to me, when it really came down to it, when it really came down to it, Uh, That's just me. I think uh, it was Montana. You can argue Brady and you'd be making a good argument. Or you could argue Bradshaw and his period. You'd be making a good argument. But I just know what I saw. And I just saw, you know, again, from my own personal perspective. uh, I just think he was unbelievable. Now, a lot of you folks never saw him play, I suppose, but... If you did see him play, I think you'd know what I mean. You've seen Brady. There's no taking anything away from Brady, period. He's got all the stats. He's got a lot of uh, lot of rings. That was an error. There's no question about it. So if you say Brady, that could be what, you, you could be right. And on basketball, if you say LeBron, you could be right, although I think there's a better argument to be made for Jordan. I agree with Stephen A. on that, and I also think in terms of an effect forever on basketball, I think the best argument could be made with uh, Chamberlain. Again, a different era. Uh, You might say, well, yeah, but he, he had trouble with Russell. There's no question about it. But that Celtics team, they had tremendous players in every spot. Every spot. I remember going to a basketball game several times with my buddy Eric my dad would take us sometimes his mother would take us sometimes 
And back in those days, you could actually stand by the at the court side and get a signature. Can't do that today. Chamberlain was so massive. I mean, the other players were huge, but he was massive. I don't just say tall. He was a huge man. Kind of like Shaq, I guess, in, in his own way. I think Shaquille O'Neal was a tremendous basketball player. Tremendous. And in many ways, he changed the game, too. So why am I talking about this? Because I don't want to talk about classified documents every second of my life. And I will. I'll get back to it probably next week. Don't get me wrong. I'm not changing. I'm just... uh, I'm just on a different subject, that's all. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smart. Smarter Wireless. What do you think about the FBI and the Department of Justice targeting Catholics, Mr. Producer? You know, people don't believe me. You do, folks. But other, when I tell you, it's the Stasi. Democrats will defend the FBI to the hilt, unless, of course, they go after the Weather Underground, Students for Democratic Action... Uh, you know, the Black Panthers, um, jihadists, and so then, then obviously they don't want the FBI. But when it comes to targeting Republicans or squelching free speech or monitoring people who have a disagreement with the government and now Catholics. Fox, the Department of Justice and FBI targeting Catholics as violent extremists under scrutiny by state attorneys general. Oh, the Republicans, not Democrats. Bigotry is festering, they said. Virginia Attorney General Jason Mayeris. This guy's a superstar. And 19 other GOP state attorneys general are demanding answers from the FBI and the Department of Justice and threatening legal action after a leaked internal FBI memo in the memo revealed the agency had efforts underway to identify and treat Catholics as potential terrorists. Mayeris and his colleagues, in a letter exclusively obtained by Fox News Digital, told the FBI and Justice to desist from investigating and surveilling Americans who've done nothing more than exercise their natural and constitutional right to practice their religion in a manner of their choosing 
and asked that they reveal to the American public the extent to which they've engaged in such activities. Anti-Catholic big. I just spoke about this the other day with Joe Rogan and the Jews and how if you're a practicing Catholic or if you're evangelical, they target you. And now here it's the Catholics' turn. Anti-Catholic bigotry appears to be festering in the FBI, and the Bureau is treating Catholics as potential terrorists because of their beliefs. The attorneys general wrote the FBI director and Attorney General Merrick Garland. We are the chief legal officers of our respective states, charged not only with enforcing the law, but also securing the civil rights of our citizens. The FBI must immediately and unequivocally order agency personnel not to target Americans based on their religious beliefs and practices. And they added, they will take any appropriate means to protect the rights of our constituents as guaranteed by our Constitution. The targeting of Catholics for treatment as violent extremists because of the language in which they pray or because of the beliefs to which they subscribe is unacceptable, unconstitutional, and deeply un-American. This is why we all have to join together. This is why I said when I was talking about Rogan the other day, but this is the government, obviously. Jew, Gentile, or in between and all around. We cannot tolerate this. Friday's letter comes after an internal memo produced by the FBI's Richmond, Virginia field office on January 23, 2023, was leaked. That memo, according to the attorney generals, identifies radical traditionalist Catholics, quote-unquote, as potential racially or ethically, or ethnically, rather, motivated violent extremists. How do you like that? FBI headquarters quickly began taking action to remove the document, once told of this, from FBI systems and conduct a review of the basis for the document. While our standard practice is to not comment on specific intelligence products, this particular field office product disseminated only within the FBI, oh well, that's important, regarding racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism does not meet the exacting standards of the FBI. Yeah, you don't have exacting standards. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. There have been a series of articles in three parts in the Washington Examiner that have been crucially important. And I need to make sure they get the national attention that they deserve. They've been written by very, obviously, sharp and intelligent gentleman by the name of Gabe Kaminsky, who is the Washington Examiner investigative reporter. Gabe, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Apparently, you did a lot of work on this. Just First, as a general matter, tell us what's going on with this three-part series that you've written here. Yeah, so our our story focuses on the disinformation industry or alleged disinformation industry. And essentially, uh, what we outlined is how there are several organizations, in particular, one British organization called the Global Disinformation Index, which also has two American nonprofit groups that is, and these organizations, particularly the GDI, are feeding uh 
secret blacklists of uh, outlets they determine are peddling what they determine to be disinformation, and they're feeding these to advertising companies uh, who are contracting these groups. Uh, and essentially, the goal uh, is to defund and, and deplatform uh, media outlets and news companies viewed as, you know, uh, peddling you know disinformation or essentially disfavored speech. Uh, and so what we found is that the Washington Examiner, uh, several sources. Let me, let me just say, so they're blacklisting. They're blacklisting. Yes. They're sending yes. out information to advertisers, advertising agencies. Uh, they're accusing their targets of promoting dis and misinformation and discouraging advertisers from spending monies as sponsors and so forth on these different platforms, Correct. Yes, that's correct. And so advertising companies such as the Microsoft-owned Xander, they are subscribing to several of these, they're called exclusion lists, and this is essentially dictating where ad companies are placing advertisements in media outlets. And what we found is that the Washington Examiner is one outlet that is on this blacklist, but we also learned through an ad source that Breitbart News uh, is another outlet on this uh, blacklist. However, this company, the Global Disinformation Vex, uh, they list 10 outlets on the right that they deem the riskiest, allegedly the 10 riskiest. And we actually spoke uh, on the condition of anonymity to a board member on the Global Disinformation Index who had said that uh, that, that individual said it would be very probable that uh, all outlets on that riskiest list would also be on this blacklist, and that includes the Daily Wire, uh, the American Conservative, the Federalist, uh, the Blaze, uh, Newsmax, and several other outlets. So they clearly target almost exclusively conservatives, correct? Right. Yeah, that's correct. The, The organization is essentially blacklisting conservative outlets, um, and, you know, obviously skews to the left. You mentioned Newsmax. Newsmax is being deplatformed by AT&T, uh, DirecTV. So the potential is that these organizations over time have that kind of influence, right? Yeah, I mean, that's right. Uh, these organizations, and this kind of leads into the second part of our series, Mark. It outlined how the United States, Depart- the Department of State, uh, funded the Global Disinformation Index, which essentially links, links uh, taxpayer dollars to the censorship of um, the free and independent press, which obviously poses uh, potentially major First Amendment issues. And we spoke to several First Amendment lawyers, including Jeffrey Clark uh, from former President Donald Trump's uh, uh-huh. Justice Department, as well as Ilya Shapiro from the Manhattan Institute, who raised major concerns with this. We also spoke to members of Congress, including Representative Jim Banks uh, and Representative Michael McCall, who actually is the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, which has oversight over how the State Department grants money. And so uh, certainly it's something that lawmakers uh, may, you know, take, take a further look at and oversight. Just to underscore this, I just want the people listening to know your tax dollars are being used by the Department of State to fund these anti-free speech, 
anti-conservative organizations, which take that money, take, fund their staff, fund their positions, push the arguments to advertisers and advertising agencies to cut off a number of these these uh, websites, a number of these news organizations, including Newsmax and Breitbart and Daily Wire and Blaze and all the rest, with your tax dollars. And, of course, I raise his First Amendment issues. So just for the bigger picture, Gabe, so we have that going on. Then we have the Democrats, through the FBI and others, this administration working with social media platforms, as the Twitter information has shown, to shut down certain pieces of information, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop or different points of view on the science and, and medicines with respect to the vaccines and so forth, or to, uh, or to remove people from their sites and so forth. So this is really quite hideous. Who funds all this? Yeah, so what I would, what I would note, uh, which, which really was of note with the State Department, I think that you mentioned uh, Twitter and kind of we're seemingly to lead to the Twitter files. The Twitter files, that, that thread that Matt Taibbi had put up recently and several other journalists, a part of that recently outlined how the State Department's Global Engagement Center, which is an arm of the State Department that grants, gives out grants, a grant-making body, how that body was uh, going to Twitter and demanding, essentially asking them to censor uh, what they determined to be disinformation related to COVID-19 and vaccines and coordinating with Twitter uh, on, on censoring uh, content moderation related to disinformation. That same organization, the Global Engagement Center, that is the, that's the body that we found had granted $100,000 to the Global Disinformation Index. And we, we only learned that through uh, co- communicating directly with the State Department. The State Department has not publicized in any fashion, to our knowledge, that information that they gave $100,000 to them because it was earmarked in a larger grant uh, that was $250,000 that similarly the State Department uh, has declined to point me to it. In fact, I can find that in public records. And part three, explain a little bit about what that's about. Because that yeah, just came so out. The part, yes, yeah, we published that today. Part, part three of our series focuses specifically on Xander, X-A-N-D-R. Xander is a Microsoft-owned advertising company. And Xander is a company that subscribes to the Global Disinformation Index's uh, blacklist of conservative outlets. And we actually, uh, via uh, whistleblowers related in the advertising industry, uh, obtained uh, records and emails showing the media outlets that uh, Xander determines uh, are pushing false or misleading or hate speech uh, or, quote, reprehensible or offensive content. Uh, these outlets include the Washington Examiner, the Daily Wire, uh, Real Clear Politics, Newsmax, the Daily Caller, uh, the Washington Times, uh, Glennbeck.com, uh, RushLimbaugh.com, a variety, a variety of websites, uh, CharlieKirk.com, uh, and the real, the real, you know, kicker kind of here is this organization subscribes to that blacklist, and we now know that Xander itself is actually uh, contributing to the defunding of a variety of outlets, um, and so it begs the question. Is that because of their subscription to that uh, disinformation uh, blacklist, or is it because of their own determinations? 
Well, as you look at this, and you've seen more than you've probably been able to publish on the pages of the Washington Examiner, are you concerned about this war, this ideological war against conservatives, against free speech? Are you concerned about this kind of attempt to use economic blackmail to cut off people and so forth and to uh, advance just one ideology? Yeah, I think what you had mentioned earlier, uh, certainly this, this certainly does fit into the broader narrative of, uh, you know, like we'd seen kind of with what had been released via the Twitter files uh, and, and that material that shows that this uh, private public partnership between the government and uh, nonprofits or uh, corporate entities that are sort of working hand in hand to target uh political actors. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think part two of our series is probably, you know, really is kind of the kicker of, of this because again, with this public partner, pu- public private partnership, that's where I think this becomes a major issue when the, when the United States government is working hand in hand with private organizations that are taking, you know, taking steps with other private organizations to, uh, censor speech that they determine to be politically uh, not advantageous. Is the series, this three-part expose, is it available in front of the subscription wall where anybody can go see it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to see it, where do they go? Yeah, if anyone wants to read the story, you would go to WashingtonExaminer.com, and we have a tag on the website, uh, that is a broad, a big picture that says disinformation. If you were to click on that, uh, it would pull up uh, several of the articles. Now, having written this, uh, and of course the media claimed to be very concerned about the First Amendment, and here we're targeting, or you've exposed that really media platforms are being targeted, whether people agree with them or not. Have you found any interest in what you're writing at the New York Times or the Washington Post or the big three networks? Yeah, so as of now, uh, our story has been picked up from pretty much every uh, right-leaning media outlet in the U.S. Uh, I, I would say over, or, or essentially the, the largest ones, minus uh, Fox News as of right now. But um uh, we, we have not seen pickup as of yet in uh, left-leaning uh, newspapers or, I, I suppose, center-left uh, outlets. And, you know, Newsbusters pointed out that for the longest time they weren't reporting on what the Twitter files were showing either. I mean, does that concern you? It's one thing to do battle, you know, in the media, which is what you're supposed to do, duke it out on ideas, dispute, uh, debate the issues, and so forth. And so, But we're talking about more than that. We're talking about the fundamentals. That is, whether certain platforms can even exist because they're being targeted for destruction. Um, does that, I mean, I'm sure that concerns you. But let me go back to another point. Other than taxpayer funds, these organizations are receiving a lot more money from other Entities too. Do we know who they're receiving money from? Yes. So uh, the so the Global Disinformation Index, the the primary nonprofit we focused on, uh, they've also been funded uh, by the Open Society Foundations, which is a 
left-leaning uh, grant-making network uh, funded by uh, philanthropist George Soros. Uh, they've also received funding via the Craig Newmark Philanthropies, which is linked to uh, the founder of Craigslist. Um, another major funder uh, has been the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, which is an arm of the British government. Uh, so th those are major funders that sort of also uh, have funded this organization. Uh, but I, it is very difficult to find, honestly, full transparency on who is funding both the British organization and the two American nonprofits. And the reason that is, is because they've sort of set up, uh, like other, like sort of actually broadly on the left-leaning nonprofit sphere, this sort of network that makes it inherently difficult, I think, to uh, use public records and, and really properly find uh, all the money that's, that's flowing in these sort of initiatives. Uh, I take it there's not going to be a part four. I mean, you've been pretty thorough, right? Uh, we, we actually do have a story we are publishing tomorrow morning, um, and we, we do anticipate several follow-ups. Good. All right. Well, you've done a great job. Tell your bosses there. Good job. Gabe Kaminsky, Washington Examiner, investigative reporter. Well, that's WashingtonExaminer.com, right, Gabe? If people, folks, you want to read this, I really commend it to you. That's WashingtonExaminer.com, WashingtonExaminer.com. Read all parts, all three of it. It won't take forever. But uh, you'll see what's going on this war on your ability to read what you want to read and the ability of people to, to run independent news platforms, which is very difficult, uh, and the war on free speech, real freedom of the press, and competition of ideas from the left. It is vigorous, it is heavily funded, and it is taking place. All right, Gabe Kaminsky. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, take care. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. The radical left, whether they be in government or out of government, hates liberty and unalienable rights that each of you have. 
the ability to communicate, the ability to challenge, the ability to think for yourself and reason, to gain knowledge independent of what it is they try to spoon feed you is alarming. It's absolutely alarming. This is what we're up against. And as Joe Biden would say, it's no joke. This is what we're up against. We're up against the forces that reject our entire founding, the forces that reject really what is the nature of uh, Western civilization. These are throwbacks in many ways to the dark ages of thinking. If you don't agree with them, they accuse you of things. It's why it's important that we have on our side people who understand this. Mitch McConnell doesn't. Mitch McConnell is a petty, pathetic, old, long-in-the-tooth, lazy man who gets excited when he's trying to destroy other Republicans or conservatives. He's enriched himself, as has his family, enormously uh, in ways that have not been fully investigated. But there are some Republicans who understand this. One of them is the governor of Florida. The governor of Florida engages in this culture war. That's why they hate him. That's why other Republicans hate him, because they don't have the gut. Four years ago this morning, my fabulous mother passed away. She passed away about four months, almost to the day, when my father passed away. Four years ago. And she missed her birthday by three days. She was born on February 13th. And it's vivid in my mind. I was in Florida, which is where they lived, in Boynton Beach, Florida. And one of the ladies helping watch my mother at night had sent me a picture. And the picture showed me something that shook me in a fairly devastating way. She was very sick. She had liver cancer, which is fairly rare. Never smoked or anything of that sort. We had a fantastic doctor and doctors who helped us, including Dr. Livingston, Miami, and others. And so I uh, got in my rental car, <clears throat> and I raced towards her house. As I say, my father had passed a few months earlier, and our aide, Gertie, was there, fabulous woman, here legally, born in Haiti, just fabulous. My parents had known her, and they'd been with, she'd been with her, them off and on for over 10 years, like a daughter, frankly. And uh, the tire, one of the tires in the rental car lost air. I had to go to the rental place. I was racing against time. I didn't know how much I was racing against time, as it turned out. 
It was a long line. I, I politely said to the gentleman at the front of the line, the the employee of the rental service, I just don't remember which company I'd tell you. I said, my mother's dying. I need another car. And he helped me out very quickly. And I raced there and I got to the house. I've never told you this, but it's on my mind. I got to the house, I guess at that point it was about 9.25 a.m. And Gertie was at the side of the bed and I held my mother's hand. And her breathing was very poor. It's very long gaps between breaths. And I could tell I was losing her. And you know, they say that people who are dying, they can hear you at the end, at the very end. And that's certainly the way I treated my father and my mother. <clears throat> and I held her hand and I told her something she didn't know, but she was a very, very intelligent woman, so she had to know. I said, Dad's gone. You're going to join him now in heaven. And one day all the rest of us will join you too. So make sure you look out for us. And I'll find you. And then she passed away. I remember my dad asking me four months earlier, <clears throat> before he went into some kind of shock and could not communicate. I think he could hear us. He couldn't move for about eight days before he passed away. <clears throat> but I remember the day before, he said to me, it wasn't, it's not that he was a religious man in the sense that he would go to synagogue and that sort of thing. He wasn't in that sense. But he was a strong believer in God and, and in his faith. And he said to me, how will I find her? I said, what are you talking about, Dad? When I'm in heaven, how will I find your mother? There's billions and billions of people up there. <clears throat> His eyes were barely open. I said, you'll find her, Dad, and she'll find you. And you'll be up there with your father and your mother and your sisters, and you'll find her. There's a way these things happen. And then he asked me, he said, come over here a second. I said, okay. He said, give me your hand. I gave my hand. And he kissed my hand. 
And that was one of the last conversations I had with him. And when he was in hospice, I told him what I think you all think about your own parents and so forth. I said, nothing can ever separate us. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing ever can and nothing ever will. Now, why am I telling you all this? Number one, your family. But number two, appreciate the family that you have that's with you. Super Bowl is very exciting. And have a good time. I'm all for it. But life can be very difficult. In addition to the happy times, they're very, very challenging times. Very difficult times. For you as an individual, for your family, for the country. And we do the best we can as mere mortals to deal with it. That's what we do. So, four years ago this morning, that's what I remember. Despite how you've heard me most of the show, it's had me down most of the day, quite frankly. But we pull ourselves up, children and grandchildren and things you got to do, and we move on. We don't forget. We never forget. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, what I wanted to talk about was DeSantis. The reason why, for many of you, he's sort of above the pack of other governors and senators and so forth is because of his willingness to take on those who are destroying our culture. Sununu's not. He's already said so. Larry Hogan was a, uh, was a passing fad, if you will. Chris Christie had eight years. He didn't do a damn thing about it. Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas has already been shown how to be a governor by uh, by Governor Huckabee Sanders has only been there about three days. So these are all lightweights. You got a guy, Mitch McConnell, who was constantly scheming about his own power like some kind of a mob boss. But this guy, this guy's a step above all of them. Washington Examiner, DeSantis calls the bureaucrats bluff, and that's why they're all targeting him now. DeSantis has a plan for freeing public universities from the stranglehold of their diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracies. Now, I'm here in Virginia. We have a good, very fine governor, Governor uh, Youngkin, but he's not doing any of this. He's just not. Before DeSantis launched this effort, it was widely believed, even among those who recognized the dangers of DEI, that there was really nothing public officials could do about the problem. And you've seen it. They threw up their hands. 
Just like the weather was simply something we would all have to learn to live with, public universities were thought to be outside of political control, and academic culture was thought to be too committed to DEI goals. But DeSantis is proving that something can be done. His plan is likely to make significant progress in dismantling DEI in higher education. He's showing it's not beyond, it's not beyond his reach. He's showing it can be addressed through boards that he appoints. It can be modified by legislation and their activities are gunned by state laws and regulations. States can reorganize how public universities are structured to achieve public purposes. I, I commend this to you. This is DeSantis calls the bureaucrats bluff. We'll have it at MarkLevinShow.com. I encourage you to take a look at it. Why he's a standout from these other governors, these other wannabes. You're going to have a great Sunday. Have a wonderful time. Those of you who watch football, those of you who don't, but you like the environment and the event of the Super Bowl, here you are. It's the one big cultural thing I think Americans can seem to get around. Truth is, both of these teams are class acts. The coaches are class acts. Uh, they got wonderful team members. The quarterbacks are really straight-laced guys who uh, who live good lives. And, uh, of course, I'll be rooting for the Eagles. You might be rooting for the Chiefs, although there's a lot of people out there hopefully are root for the Eagles too. But let's just root for a great game. What do you say? And the Eagles. We go to America every Friday in honor of you. Here we go.
is officially over. The weekend begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, and the men and women in Taiwan and Ukraine who wish to be free. Good night, Spritey and Griffey. Good night, Pepsi and Zelda. Good night, Smokey and Gigi. Boy, the list gets long. Good night, Indy and Patton. And good night, Rory and Barney and Marty. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. Good night, Joe. And good night, America. Be strong.